Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. I had wonderful, wonderful hearing most of my life. I had the best hearing that, that a human can have, really. And it helped me a lot, and I'm grateful that I had it. Um, it was hard to give it up. There's a there's a grieving process that you mm-hmm. go through, basically, because part of you is dying. And that's sad. But there's a new discovery here on the other end. And there really is life after cochlear implant. It's hard to believe, but it's true. So Yes, very true. And you know what? In our case, Jim, it's one thing to be in a dark, sightless world, but I just dread the thought of having to be in a dark and cold, silent world. As many of our listeners certainly know, blind people rely heavily on their sense of hearing to get around and make up for the vision that they don't have. But what happens if you're blind and you also can't hear? We'll join a conversation between Jim Snowbarger and Greg Green, both of whom have been blind for a very long time, and both of whom then lost their hearing and now have cochlear implants. And they will be talking about their experiences. But first for a tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Greg Green and Jim Snowbarger. I would recommend uh, for anybody, even if you're not visually impaired, I did the cross device with the hearing aid for several years. And so my left ear was basically dormant for that 15-year period. And so the auditory nerve deteriorated. If you get to a point where one ear is gone and you're only relying on one ear, do not wait for a long period of time to go see otolaryngologists because the longer you go without hearing, the more the auditory nerve deteriorates and your rehab period is greatly increased. Mm. Yeah, it's important, boy. Because it, it does feel like a big uh, challenge and a big dive, and unfortunately you can't turn around and go back. But what he's saying there is like, that's right, your brain stops being able to process audio if you don't use it or feed it something. So mm-hmm. got to keep something coming at it. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Jim and Greg. We have two people with us today. And Jim, can you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Jim Snowbarger, um, also known around the world as the snowman, I guess. And uh, I am a re- retired guy and um, a formerly electrical engineer. And now I am learning how to use a cochlear implant and how to learn to hear in a different way. But you've had a visual impairment for a long time. Oh, yeah. Blindness is uh, so old that I don't even remember it and don't mention it. It's it's a weird thing. But it it's like that is at the core of who I am. And I've forgotten that it's a special case. <laughs> That's how bad <laughs> it is. Blindness is, is a little more challenging to deal with now without that extra resource of good hearing. But it's doable. And Greg, can you introduce yourself? 
Hi, my name is Greg. I have um, congenital glaucoma. I am also a retired individual. I worked in IT for many years at a local company here in Michigan. Um, I lost my hearing from Meniere's disease many years ago. And over a period of time, I was on hearing aids for a number of years. And then my left ear totally went out about 15 years ago and they gave me a cross device so that it would pick up sound on the left side and transfer it to the right. That was okay, but I had no bi-directional hearing even at that time. And then in 2012, when I lost all of my vision, uh, it was a real pain because I had no clue where people were. And then in 2017, I ended up going to an otolaryngologist, and the first thing Dr. Arndt said when he walked in the room and took a look at me was, oh, my word, he says, have you thought about a cochlear implant? I was, no, I wasn't even sure what it was at that time, and he explained it, I did it, and it was a challenge because I was then with one cochlear and one implant, and when they first turned on that cochlear there was nothing. I mean, it was just total squeaky, unrecognizable. And then I went from there and then 2020, January of 2020, uh, because the right ear totally went bust, had to have a second cochlear, and then went back to my uh, self-prescribed um, hearing rehab, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Then you actually have two cochlear implants, is that right? Yes, I have two now. And how many do you have, Jim? I just have one, but I expect I will have two at some point. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Jim Snowbarger and Greg Green's experiences getting used to their cochlear implants. Here they are discussing that. It's a little, I don't know whether, Greg, whether you had time, um, I guess you did have some time when you only had one. And the natural hearing kind of helps you, you know, compare. What was that word? Yes, you can hear what it was through the natural ear, and then you listen to that again through just the cochlear-only ear, and that can kind of help you figure, oh, that's that's how this thing is working. I know. I was absolutely thrilled after I went through my uh, rehab on the left one, which was my first uh, implant. It took about three and a half, maybe four months to begin to even understand. Yeah, I... I, it did make some sense to me pretty quickly. Um, when they first turned it on, I could, I could see what you were talking about, about the kind of the buzzy quality. Mm-hmm. But she started saying just the days of the week there during the first few minutes. And I could kind of see how that correlated. I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, it sounds kind of like, uh, Donald Duck or Chipmunk effect. You, you hear that too? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't so much anymore. Um, I, in fact, right now, even with both of them, even though I have a newer one, uh, I have found their voices are totally natural to me now. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's just really great. I don't get the squeaky. I don't get the chipmunk effect or the Mickey Mouse thing. Uh, now my family, I can recognize who they are by their voice and 
uh, I've come a long ways and I'm, you know, really grateful for the technology. Do you think that's because you've been better trained on how to understand what's coming in through the cochlear implant or what? You know, I've talked with my audiologist about this. Um, she calls me her little rock star because she said most people don't do as well as you do. Uh, but, you know, she did lay it to the fact that I was willing to create that spreadsheet and that I would sit here for four or five hours every day, you know, going through word after word after word. And what I also did to kind of keep myself honest, when I get done with the spreadsheet, I would go back through them sorted a multiplicity of different ways so I wasn't anticipating the next word and Darcy told me she says I think that's your greatest asset is that you you know built the spreadsheet uh, and I did that for two reasons because I had control over what the word was being said I had control over the, the speed and I could use different synthesizers with JAWS so I got a flavor of different voices and uh, yeah that that did help me a lot. Can you explain this spreadsheet to our listeners? We've had pre-conversations, so we know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, I have an Excel spreadsheet, and I also have a screen reader called JAWS, which makes the computer talk to me. So I have 26 columns in that spreadsheet, one for each word, and then I have hundreds of rows in that spreadsheet for each column and I just went through and came up with any word I could find to put in for A, B, C, D, blah, blah, blah. And then I would just sit there uh, and I would practice going through that spreadsheet, you know, arrow key through it or do an F2 for the edit mode in Excel and go through one letter at a time. And like I said, over a period of four months, the sound started coming back. So because I did it with a spreadsheet, it made it more intense rehab because I was forcing that ear to work very hard for a long period of time every day. In fact, Jim, what I did too is I shut off the hearing aid on the right side when I got my first implant and just concentrated solely on the implant. And then when I got the right implant in 2020, I shut off the left implant and concentrated in the spreadsheet with the right one. Did the process take as long to train your hearing with the second implant? Uh, no, I had some residual hearing there. Dr. Arntz recommended uh, when my hearing was really getting bad on the right side, and they normally wait till you have next to nothing. And he said, because you have some residual hearing, we need to do it now because your auditory nerve is in good health and it will be a much faster rehab. And on the newest on the right side, uh, that was true because of the residual hearing. It was only like six weeks and I was up and running. Can one of you describe for our listeners what a cochlear implant is and what you would expect it to do for you? Well, what it is, and I really did quite a long thing about this um, on my blog at snowmanradio.com. The first episode, I talk about uh, how hearing works. What a cochlear implant does is replace part of that mechanism. It is a microphone, it is an amplifier, it is a signal processor, and it produces 
little electrical voltages that are then uh, impinged upon your auditory nerve. Well, it turns out that's exactly what your ear does. Uh, it puts little voltages at different frequencies on your auditory nerve, and your brain responds to that, um, thinks of it as sound. Well, in the case of the cochlear implant, um, you have a lot less ability to identify a particular frequency. Like if you, uh, somebody plays a, a note on a, a piano, you probably will have a harder time with a cochlear implant telling what note that was. In fact, mm -hmm. you probably can't. But you do hear, I don't know, um, to me, I would kind of describe it as a, a slight rushing sound. When people whisper, it sounds really natural. Whispering sounds amazingly realistic. Regular voices like this sound a little bit fuzzy, but they do sound like words. You, you know, you can tell it's a person talking. And Greg's obviously made some real strategies here on uh, making it sound natural. Mine still sounds a little bit echoey. Um, it's a little bit mechanical, a little bit tinny, you might say. But it does sound like speech. Um, it's not beeping and, you know, making making staticky noises. It sounds natural. But your implant is relatively recent, Jim, correct? Yeah, mine was started about the 1st of May, so I'm pretty new at it, yeah. But you've seen a lot of improvements since, I take oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I use my computer all the time, too. I, I, I feed my eloquence speaks pretty regularly, and I can understand eloquence uh, 100% through it. Well, I have an advanced bionics uh, cochlear implant system, and the way Dr. Arntz explained it to me, that you normally have approximately 20,000 uh, different frequencies the natural ear can pick up, and he said my cochlear is only capable of about one-third of that 7,000. So you don't have as much there. He also told me, uh, think of a grand baby grand piano, 88 keys, you know, 11 octaves. He said your cochlear will give you approximately one octave. So that's what you have to deal with. Yeah, yeah it's, it's frequency limited. And mine's more so than, uh, I don't hear bass. Do you hear bass? Uh, you know, that's interesting. I hear bass quite well on the left hand. But the right-hand bass is almost non-existent. It's mm. almost like it's a vibration, so to speak. Mm. But then on the flip side of that, on the left side, the higher frequencies are more difficult. But the right side picks up the higher frequencies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, and, it's very, and you're right, Jim. It's very, very difficult uh, for your audiologist to come to a real good balance between the two. So, Jim, you just described a little bit of the physical device. Can you describe the whole unit from the user's perspective? I'm using the cochlear brand, um, which they've managed to trademark the word cochlear, I guess. <laughs> Mine is, it looks like a hearing aid. And then, um, so it's sitting on top of my ear like a regular hearing aid. And then there's a little um, tail that comes off, a little wire to a round thing about the size of um, maybe a 50 cent piece. That's a coil with a magnet in it. And it sticks to the side of my head. Underneath my scalp, there is a metallic piece and another coil. 
this thing latches onto that magnetically, and through those coils, it sends voltage into the internal part that's inside my head. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that distributes the voltages to the various um, electrodes in the cochlea. Is yours the same kind of thing, Greg? Yes, I have the outside speech processor, which fits on my ears, similar to a, a hearing aid, but it is, it's quite a bit larger. And then I, too, have the RF cable, which comes out of the top of the speech processor with the 50-cent round piece, like Jim was talking, that attaches to the magnet that has been placed underneath my scalp. And, um, yeah, and then I also have what is known as a T-mic on mine, and that T-mic is uh, basically it's a cable, and it comes down in front of my ear, and then it is placed over the ear canal so that you can use your outer ear to pick up sound like a normal person would and help feed as much sound as possible into the T-mic. Now, I also have a second microphone on my speech processor which is up top and points towards the front and then i have two adjustment buttons for sound up and down and then a third button which allows me to change programs uh, which is really nice so let's say for example i'm in a restaurant with my wife it used to be pre-cochlear we wouldn't even speak to each other in the restaurant because of all the background sound i just could not understand her well now that i have the cochlears i just switched to program number two and it shuts off the team mic down by my ear canal turns on the two front um, microphones and i just sat facing her and i can hear her fine now so i and then i and my third program I use with a Roger pen that I have hardwired to my TV set. And so I just turn the Roger pen on, go to program number three, and the Roger pen will transmit the television volume directly via RF signal to my cochlear implant. And I don't have to blow everybody out of the room anymore. Yeah, that mine works a lot like that as well, where you got several programs. And uh, a, um, the two microphones is a directional microphone arrangement. Mm-hmm. This one does that too. And I like to put the, the forward focus mode on. Um, it makes me less aware of room echo. And mm-hmm. uh, it lets me point my head and I can zoom in. You know, like I can have the microwave running behind me. But looking straight at the wife with my microwave to the back, and mm-hmm. I can decode her just fine. It's like the microwave's not there. One of the nice things about that is if I wonder where she is, I look around the room and, and hunt for the strongest signal, ah, <laughs> and yes, then I can actually yes. find her. <laughs> you each had significant vision loss before you developed your hearing loss and subsequently got the cochlear implants. What kind of special considerations do you think there are for people who've got vision loss and then get cochlear implants to handle their hearing loss? Oh, boy, there are lots. Uh, Directionality is a big thing. And when I Mm -hmm. asked my audiologist before we even did this, you know, what kind of luck do people have um, in directionality and finding where things are? And she said, well, I've never really talked to anybody about that. Sighted people don't care. They just look around, find stuff. Mm-hmm. But we have to have that directionality. And I still don't very well 
know where things are coming from if I don't turn my head. If I'm just sitting here and something happens over there, I might not know where it is. I might, and I might not. So uh, that business of directionality is a, it's a tough one. Yeah, it is. And you, it is. You're like crossing a street. I don't think I'd do that anymore. But I have noticed that you can identify that a building is nearby. They have this thing called echolocation, you know, where it just basically um, echoing sounds off of an object and hearing the return and identifying how far that is based on that. I can begin to do that again with this cochlear thing. That's been a fun discovery. Like, you know, I can stand 10, 20, 50 feet away from my house clap my hands like that, and I can hear the echo from the house, and I can tell where it is. That's nice. Now, I noticed, Jim, with mine, I stay in program number one most of the time, which uses my T-mics down by my ear canal. Uh, I tend to like that. I like to have as much sound coming in at me as possible. And I also find that, especially when I'm outside, it's really valuable for me to be able to pick up sounds from everywhere. And because my bi-directional hearing has come back, I find that quite useful in my case. Yeah. But if, I, if I'm if i in a really a real noisy uh, situation, a restaurant, for example, uh, and I want to hear the people at my table, then I change to the directional microphone on top of the speech processor, and that works best for me in those situations. Yeah, that bottom thing you're talking about going around the front of the ear and down into the regular ear, that would have helped a lot at making things seem natural. But I regret that didn't work out. Well, Greg and Jim, this was a fascinating discussion. It sounds like overall these implants have been reasonably successful for both of you, but it does take some amount of work and effort and patience to be able to get to use it properly. That's absolutely right. You really need to dedicate yourself to uh, learning how to use it and use it as much as possible. You know, it might sound weird. Forget about that. You will learn to think of it as normal. And it'll just happen. You won't have to try. It'll just one day, that's just normal. Yes, my, my advice to anyone who has a cochlear is just don't give up. Work it, work it, work it. It will eventually come. It may take months uh, you might be fortunate and only take a couple of weeks, but for the most part, it's going to take months to get back to where you'd really like to be. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to contact Jim Snowbarger and Greg Green, and how to learn more about their experiences with their cochlear implants. Now, Jim, I know you host a radio show, and as you mentioned, you put up some very good blogs on your experience with a cochlear implant. Do you want to tell people what your website is, and if they have questions for you, tell them how they might contact you? Sure, I, you can get a hold of me anytime. I'm at uh, snowmanradio.com, and I even, I'll even i even give you my email address if you want it. It's snowman at snowmanradio.com. Yeah, I do the radio show on the Mushroom FM, and Snowman is my uh, my alter ego or whatever. So yeah, um, snowmanradio.com is generally where I live, and uh, 
get a hold of me anytime. I'd be happy to do what I can for you. And you have some specific episodes that you've created about your experience with the cochlear implant. Can people easily get to those from snowmanradio.com? Yep. There's a heading on that front page that uh, leads you right to those. There are four episodes at the moment where I'm just informally talking about the experience. And the first one talks a lot about how hearing works and how cochlear implants work electrically. So that that's kind of scientifically the most intriguing one. And then the the others are more experiential, like, you know, the second one is, oh, my God, I just got through surgery and I feel like crap. <laughs> and then the, the third one is, well, I'm feeling a little better now. You know, so it really takes you through um, the personal experience of, of going through it. And, Greg, if people had questions for you, how would they be able to contact you? Uh, the best way to contact me would be email, and that would be a i u three eight seven five at gmail.com you can also uh, get in touch with me uh, through clubhouse i kind of like clubhouse and that would be at greg 1952 and uh, i am not opposed to anyone contacting me i enjoy helping people and encouraging them along their journey now the first we learned of you Greg, was that you sent us a note including a link to a really interesting article, I believe, in your local newspaper? That was done by the Spectrum Health System here in West Michigan. Uh, They have an employee base of over 34,000 people, many hospitals and doctor's office. And my audiologist, after a period of time, she says, man, you are doing so great. I want our writer to create a story for you and put it on our website, which they did. And that's why I sent that link to you, yes. Jim, I wish you all the very best as you go. Uh, through adjusting to cochlears, and if you do end up with a second one, uh, I wish you great success with that because I sure understand how much hearing means to us when we are visually impaired. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you to both of you for sharing your experiences. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us on and letting us get the word out because, uh, you know, it's really disconcerting to a lot of blind folks. It was to me just the idea of I can't get back from this and it I I really wanted to hear before I made the decision from somebody else who had done it and uh, get that feeling that there is hope Mm -hmm. so yeah it it, it's valuable so thanks for helping us get the word out yes thank you Nancy and Pete yeah great well thank you As usual, we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And we'll also have a link in the show notes to the article that we referenced earlier about Greg Green. I also wanted to remind our listeners that Eyes on Success now has a new YouTube channel. So if you do a Google search for Eyes on Success YouTube, you'll find that channel. And if you hit the subscribe button, you'll get automatic announcements of new episodes. So check it out. That's it for show number 2137. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Maxima Computer Algebra System. This is a system that enables the user to work with complex mathematical expressions. 
We'll speak with Robert Dodier, one of the developers of Maxima, about the capabilities of this free open source program. And we will also demonstrate how it can be used with a screen reader by those who are blind. During my first few years as a researcher at Xerox, I actually used Maxima to help me do some of my scientific research and solve equations. Um, there's also lots of other programs that do that too. But for any of you interested in science, pursuing a career in science or mathematics, you'll want to listen to that show next week. So we hope we'll see you then. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.